Welcome to Is It Really, the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith-Michaels. And I'm Mitch Dupree. And tonight we're running for our lives from a scary alien and asking, does Prometheus deserve a seat at the alien's table? Mitch, why don't you give us a synopsis to get us started? A group of space explorers discover life, but it isn't the miracle you'd expect the life is the xenomorph, the most terrifying creature ever to make an appearance on the silver screen. This alien terrorizes the Nostromo and the passengers aboard. Will they be able to defeat the beast? <laughs> oh, and uh, Prometheus is the very confusing prequel. What are some other classic movie monsters that we could compare the xenomorph to, compare the alien franchise to? Well, I'll get started and I'll say uh, another one of my favorite movie monsters is King Kong. And when I think about the comparing and contrast, King Kong and the Xenomorph, they both start as just being kind of stone cold killers and destroyers. Whereas over the years, King Kong has become a little bit more of a softy and most recently in Kong Skull Island, he really only um, attacks and kills people who sin, who, you know, movie sin. Who, who deserve it. Right, who deserve it. People who are dropping bombs on his home, people who are trying to kill him, people who are trying to kill the inhabitants of his island. Whereas, you know, Brie Larson and uh, Loki, they're all, like, minding their own business and just trying to get home, so he doesn't mess with them. So, you know, there's no sin for them to be punished for. Whereas the alien is just pure evil, remorseless, killing everyone if you see the xenomorph bam you're done it would seem that king kong has a code right if you will right only mess with people who mess with you i dig that i dig that but he is a softie <laughs> you're right he he's like caressing and gently holding this woman in her white dress in the original mm-hmm. in the classic right. so. and in the naomi watts one right i'm not that familiar with king kong i know he has a musical he's probably <laughs> the most famous monkey in the world other than curious Caesar. Yeah. Eh, curious George. Eh, who knows? What about you, Brandon? You got a classic movie monster? I am going to go with the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park, and here's why. Uh, my first viewing of the movie Alien was very recently, and I can absolutely remember some of those visceral feelings I got when watching Jurassic Park for the first time, and they are similar to the feelings I got when I saw the Xenomorph uh, for the first time. I know, like, the the T-Rex is the kind of the iconic dinosaur from uh, Jurassic Park, but to me, the T-Rex is kind of a big dummy, like, you know, <laughs> stop, stop, mo- stop moving, and the T-Rex doesn't see you anymore, that kind of stuff. The Velociraptor is an intelligent 
monster, an intelligent being. Clever girl. And, um, absolutely. And, you know, monsters that terrify me the most are the intelligent ones. Right, and the T-Rex gets reduced and reduced movie to movie. Like, by Jurassic Park 3, even, he's just in a little fight at the beginning, and then they kill him and move on. He's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's always the Velociraptors they have to escape from. Right. And Mm -hmm. the Velociraptors do get the more classic monster Jaws treatment in the first one. Like, we don't see them until near the end of the movie. We just hear about how lethal they are. The, The extraordinary jumpers. And <laughs> the cheetah speed. There is a level of you've seen um pictures of velociraptors, like you've seen them just kind of out in the wild, but you've never seen a velociraptor in a kitchen. Right. That's so true. Yes, that's fantastic. Right. And some of those the scene in the kitchen, uh the scene when the female lead goes to get the power back on, like those are the terrifying scenes right. to me. Those those are the ones that get your you know, your blood pumping. The scene with the T-Rex is like almost awe-inspiring. Like you're like, whoa, like I've been waiting to see this T-Rex. Right. But I will say the scenes with the Velociraptors scare the daylights out of me. Yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of scary movies, but I've never seen a movie where the monster can open a door. Right. 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 Like that, that alone <laughs> is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Just the claw going down on the door and opening the kitchen. And also, like, the T-Rex, like, again, eats jerks. Oh, right. He punishes the the wicked. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of cool. Like, you see him, you're like, oh, cool, a T-Rex. So King Kong eats New Yorkers. (laughs) T-Rex eats lawyers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that code. I'm into that. What about you, Mitch? Well, I chose the fly. I really compare it to Alien because it's uh, a, a body horror kind of thing. The movie focuses on ways that a human could be shifted and transformed into something they weren't intended to be. So there's that level of violation. Right. It's a perversion. Like, there's nothing scarier to me than the idea of, like, me becoming something I'm not. Right. right. Losing losing my uh, humanity is, is really, really freaky. It starts with John Hurt, rest in peace, getting his, his face hug, the face hugger. And then, like, they think everything's fine, they think it's okay, and then literally while they're eating it, bursts out of his chest. Which, did you guys hear that they uh, didn't tell the actors what was going to happen? So that take mm-hmm. that you see of them reacting is real? Yeah, I have wow. heard that. Yeah. You think you're safe, enjoying a Thanksgiving meal, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> in the Dupree home, here comes a face hugger. <laughs> oh, did this happen to you? <laughs> it's going to happen to my kids. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. That's no, uh, I did want to hit on just to go back real quick too. like you brought up the Velociraptors, Brandon. And I think there's a clear like comparison for me of like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park one are very frightening and predatory. And then by the second one, they start to become a little goofy, <laughs> like they're slipping and sliding on the roof shingles. And I can like hear Benny Hill music in my head. Yeah. And that's kind of how Alien versus Aliens feels to me. Or the first yeah. one, it's it's a predator you can't see, you can't stop. And by the second one, I'm not dealing with a xenomorph. I'm dealing with my dad wearing a xenomorph costume on Halloween. Like, it looks to me like a dude in a puppet suit, kind of jumping around. I'm into it, don't get me wrong. But it's not scary anymore. There are some direct correlations between aliens and the lost world, other than uh, just the, the monster. It's... It's this whole, like, uh, we're going back, but we're prepared this time. 
Don't right. worry. Yes. We're armed. We're armed to the teeth. We are outfitted with all the best equipment. You're going to be going in with experts. You will be completely safe. That's the that's the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, always a guarantee of safety. We right. can guarantee your safety. And then they realize that they're wrong. Right. <laughs> well, I do love though that alien. Uh, like with with Lost World, they just kind of go back for reasons. But I love that an alien. It's like Ripley's revenge movie in a way. Right. I mean, we're on the same page. The Lost World is not as good as Aliens, but the comparisons right. are there. Yeah. The android gets mm-hmm. ripped apart at the end of Aliens, and Richard Schiff gets ripped apart by the two T-Rexes in The Lost World. <laughs> and I pour one out for Toby Ziegler every time I watch that movie. It's easy for me to separate Toby from the man in The Lost World because he doesn't have a beard. Like, I look at him and I'm like, you're not Toby. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fine with this. You're just a little baby getting ripped in half. <laughs> <laughs> so guys the alien franchise is still going on you know after after two good movies and a lot of bad ones why are we so drawn to this franchise well i think for me the thing that keeps it chugging along is a good sequel uh preserves the world and the look that was set up in the original but it has to do something new and every alien movie even if it does feel like it's uh, a corridor uh, and and you running away from the monster, it definitely has its own feel. Like the first one is that haunted house movie where the second one, you've got that bombastic action kind of feel to it. The third one is the prison movie. The fourth one's the sci-fi movie. The fifth one is you've got this gothic horror kind of mad scientist vibe with David. So each, each of them has its own distinct flavor. So even though I'm going back to the same buffet, I'm getting a different treat every time. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about that first movie, and I think we're drawn to the Alien franchise in the same way we are drawn to the Hannibal franchise. Each of the franchise's inaugural installations are uh, lightning in a bottle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, they just nailed it. And I think we keep going back movie after movie, hoping they will be able to recreate uh, those visceral feelings mm. the initial films created in us. That's so true. There is a slippery slope kind of feel like I feel like um, when Prometheus was coming out, I got very excited because it was Ridley Scott coming back. And after these many years of uh, I felt like the franchise was being kind of dragged into the depths. uh, I got excited that maybe the guy who started it all could kind of uh, direct the ship back to where it needed to go. And I would say I think we keep coming back because it's a franchise that's accessible to all different types of fans and movies. The first time you watch it, it's a scary monster movie. When you go back, though, there's just more for you to kind of like sink your teeth into if you want. And I think even though the movies since then have not been very good, I think at its core, the xenomorph is always scary. And we love being scared. Like every time I see the xenomorph, I know it's going to be like white knuckle terror. And I'm into that. I totally get what you're saying. The thrill seekers, like the people who love just getting the daylight scared out of them. Um, I think that is more of a fringe uh, genre. Agreed. Yeah. I love these movies and you cannot drag me to go see Alien vs. Predator. I'm not going to do it. Right. But for some someone out there, that's their favorite movie. You know, some people really dig those sequels. So. And here's how scary the aliens are. They're the bad guys in Alien vs. Predator, too. Hi.
please tell me you can read that? What are you doing, David? I'm attempting to open the door. Wait. We don't know what's on the other side. Oops. Sorry. <gasps> Remarkably human. Beautiful painting. It's a mural. Stop. Stop. Don't touch it. Sorry. Please don't touch anything. Oh, no. The murals are changing. I think we've affected the atmosphere in the room. Everyone seems to be just completely baffled with every new thing that they experience, but not David. David seems to know exactly what he's doing, almost like he was completely prepared. He is not caught off guard. He is not surprised. He knows exactly what to do to get that door open. He's seen these languages before. He knows how to read the inscriptions on the wall. It's almost as if someone has prepared him. He has an agenda here. He's going in there. He clearly came prepared to take one of those pods out. Yeah, David's a sneaky little trickster. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, like yeah. the lifeguard in Sandlot, he knows exactly what he's doing. Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> so I think the thing also with that scene is that we've seen it go both ways. We've seen it go multiple ways with androids, right? In Alien, he's bad. In Aliens, he's good. We want to think it's suspicious, but we've also been proven wrong thinking that way in aliens well if you want to talk like what separates prometheus and covenant from the alien movies for me like mm -hmm. a huge strength is michael fassbender's casting as david Agreed. because he just he looks angelic in these movies i look at his face and i'm like how could he do anything wrong right even at the end of the movie <laughs> when he gets his head cut off <laughs> and i've already seen him do horrible horrible things i feel bad for him right. when she zips his head into the little duffel bag i'm like oh poor guy <laughs> Even though he caused all this death and suffering. And the the human characters in Prometheus and Covenant are much less likable and relatable. Uh, I do find myself siding with David a little bit because they mistreat him. And when we are first introduced to David, he's the first character that we meet in the in the movie. And it's the series of scenes where it's clear that he is trying to make himself as human as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, he's watching these movies, he's coloring his hair, he's parting in a certain way, clearly has a... Like a child. Yes, absolutely. And then the holographic scene with Guy Pierce, his character, <laughs> um, where he reveals that David doesn't have a soul, that really reveals the chip on, on David's shoulder. That's what I took away, at least. He is inferior. He is less than. And I think that kind of drives him like he is out almost to prove that he is he is not an inferior creature in any way. And again, just the ridiculousness of uh, humans ego in this right. movie where they've discovered uh, literally the source of their creation. And they oh. still think we're we have souls and we are divine in a way that David is not. Uh, right. It just uh, philosophically, you know, it, it's bizarre uh, for them to make that arbitrary kind of distinction. And they get back from the site. And if you notice, uh, Charlie Holloway's character is distraught. He wanted to uh, touch the face of God, if you will. He wanted to right. have a conversation. Whereas Elizabeth Shaw is is very I feel like she is more respectful. She's like these discoveries that we've made. These are the, the the biggest discoveries ever. And she's grateful even for the opportunity to be in that location. She doesn't need the contact that Charlie needs. 
Well, that's a huge part of the movie, I think, for me, is this idea that humanity, no matter what your religious background, seems to have this deep-rooted longing for meaning, mm. uh, this desire for truth uh, that's out there beyond the horizon. Like, I love the final scene in the movie where she decides, I'm going out to find the answers. I'm not going home. I think that's kind of the point, too. Like, this movie doesn't seem to attempt to answer its philosophical questions at all but it does want to portray man's uh, striving to uh, figure out these, these answers and right. to figure out where we come from. Also going back to the scene, I was always drawn to the fact that very quickly we realize that they should not be in this place. Right. This mm-hmm. is, this is a sacred, just a place that should be left untouched. Things start degrading and dissolving and disintegrating when they go in there and they they disrupt the environment. And it's just clear, like, it doesn't feel right. There's also just this kind of larger uh, archetype in these stories of man overreaching and doing things we're not supposed to be doing. And when we do that, we're punished for it. Right. Yeah. And, and I would say the way it's directed, there's not really a sense of wonder when they go in there. There's not like, you know, a, a moment where, like, they take off their glasses, just like, my gosh, and the music swells, and it's amazing. It does feel very much like, we shouldn't be here. And I also think that it, it's interesting. You guys brought up that it feels like they're violating something. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole theme with the Xenomorph. It feels like it's kind of getting into your core and destroying everything about you, which in a similar way, them going into that temple, it feels like a violation. They're ruining everything. Right. It reminds me of the line in Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum says, what's so great about discovery, what you call discovery I call the rape of the natural world. Right. Reminds me of the final scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where the Nazis finally get their hands on the Ark. Right. And it is clear this is a holy piece. This is something that should be left untouched. And man, in the curiosity we possess, we just can't help ourselves. Right. Right. It's the Garden of Eden. You eat from that tree, you're, you're going to die. Right. It's not going to be good for you. Right. And there is this sort of delusion, possibly, we glorify ourselves and like, I'm entitled to these answers. And then whatever they're trying to discover pushes back and says, nah, uh mm-hmm. As a movie, what strengths do you feel like Prometheus has? I feel like Prometheus is like a great fan fiction. There's so much in the movie to sink your teeth into and to talk about with, you know, your friends who want to have those conversations. And another strength, too, just the cast. Absolutely. Yeah, but do you feel like the cast is sort of wasted in Prometheus? Oh, I do 100%. I think it's a fantastic cast, but they don't all have, they don't have stuff to do. Right. Idris Elba's in the movie until the very end, yeah. and he just kind of walks around with this cool little blanket, and he's likable. <laughs> I'd say a movie with better casting is actually Alien Covenant, uh, where I, at first, when I saw the casting, I was like, James Franco, come on. And then right. they killed him in the first five minutes. I'm like, okay, I think I know what you're doing. Y'all are pretty smart about this. Right, because there's that thing when you see your A-list actor, you're like, well, they're not going to die. Mm-hmm. They're not going to mm-hmm. waste them. Yeah, just kidding. Yes, they will. I think one thing is the visuals for me. Yeah. The movie is beautiful. One thing that will take me out of a movie a lot of times is if it just feels really fake. Right. That opening shot with this primordial planet that's kind of devoid of life. It's all rock and water. There's no green on it at all. Mm-hmm. I think right. they're pretty intentional about those kind of shots, right? Uh, so, and then this engineer sacrifices himself, and it's this kind of 
archetypal act of creation. Uh, it, it frames the movie in a powerful way for me of like for something to live, something else has to die. Sure. Yeah. One of the things I'd say is a strength for me is if Alien is about this kind of bodily horror, uh, Prometheus kind of elevates all of that horror to an existential level. It's, it's this larger context of the evolution of life itself is something that has been corrupted. So uh, it's heady for sure. And it's it's kind of navel gazing. But I, I think that's interesting, at least. On the flip side of this coin, why is Prometheus so polarizing as a film? Mitch brought it up earlier. You know, there's the people who love the alien lore, and then there's, you know, the people who love Alien versus Predator. <laughs> right. I love Alien. I don't care for Alien versus Predator. And I mean, I'll put my cards on the table. I also don't really care for Prometheus. You know, I think it's boring, I think it's self indulgent. It's not super fun to watch, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying having these conversations about the movie now, but I'm mm -hmm. enjoying talking about the movie more than I actually like watching the movie. That's super true, Zach. I enjoy watching Aliens much more than I enjoy talking about Aliens because there's right. not as much to talk about, but it, it's definitely a fun thing to watch. Right. Yeah, Prometheus has a lot to unpack, a lot of Easter eggy type items. Um, I will say my introduction to the Alien franchise was Prometheus. I saw oh, that wow. movie first, which seeing it now, there had to have been so many things I missed the first time. I had no idea. I wasn't thinking at all about how it impacted uh, the franchise as a whole. And seeing them all together, I don't actually feel like it does that much for the franchise. And I feel like, Zach, you are exactly right. Diehard Alien fans would hate this movie, I think. I think an another criticism we should bring up too that Prometheus gets for why it's polarizing is uh, there's a huge part of the internet that's just like, hey, the characters act dumb in Prometheus. Right. They're supposed to be experts, <laughs> and the biology expert is the guy who's touching the space serpent, and <laughs> the map guy whose job is to read maps gets lost with the maps. So it's it's <laughs> those are fair criticisms, right? Right, right. Uh, whereas the original Alien, they're literally like space miners. They're blue collar, like mm, space yeah. truckers, and they're caught off guard uh, by this mysterious creature. That's justified, but it's not justified in Prometheus. So it is a little bit silly for them to be so caught off guard. I was caught off guard a little bit with the biologist just kind of slinking over to the creature. Like, right. how can you think he was like, oh, she's pretty. He says like something like she's pretty. No, she's not. She looks terrifying. There's nothing inviting about this <laughs> thing that is getting ready to do what it's going to do to you. <laughs> It'd be different if it looked like an alien puppy dog. But you're right. It looks like this creepy white albino snake. And alien does have a level of even though, you know, it's. You understand why the events take place is, is that they're driven by emotion. The incident happens and they're trying to get back on the ship because they're scared. And Ripley's just like, no, you have to be quarantined. You're going to contaminate the thing. And they're very emotional. No, we're scared. We want to come in. And they let that get the better of them. Whereas mm -hmm. Prometheus, these geniuses are just getting off like, let's touch stuff. So there's a lot of sci-fi movies out there. Why has Alien stood the test of time? The thing that keeps me coming back are those heart-pounding scenes uh, with the xenomorph. The creativity involved with uh, creating this monster is just astounding, probably like 
nothing that had been seen up to that point on the screen. And Alien is is absolutely a horror movie. And that is what it does best, I think, the franchise. And it just happens to take place in space. The thing about the first Alien is that the world and the ship, they feel very lived in. Because a lot of sci-fi is, look at the spectacle! Whereas Alien is, hey, we're all in this tiny ship together. It has great special effects, don't get me wrong. But I don't think it gets overly caught up in that. Well, we keep saying the word invasion, like it's it's a perversion, it's an invasion. There's something archetypal about just the word alien, the title alien, right? It's this outside force coming in and attacking. And there's so many movies that have come out that to me just feel like it's alien. But with this, like yes. life came out last year, and I was like, this, this is alien. I saw you know, a movie, an old one, Event Horizon. I was like, this is alien, yeah. but a little mystical. Or Jason X. I'm like, this is alien, but Jason's in it. You know, it's <laughs> it's just over and over again, we're redoing alien. Uh, so it kind of set the set the standard, it put the bar out there, this is what you can do with that idea. Uh, and then other movies have been trying to copy it since. It seems like this franchise is going to continue on for a while. Who would you guys like to see potentially take the reins in the future? So let me tell you about a movie that I'm not crazy about, but I definitely respect the heck out of it. The first Blade Runner is kind of not for me. I, I think it's well made and I respect it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I could take it or leave it. I love Blade Runner 2049. I love it. I think that it expands on the lore of Blade Runner and adds on to that world while being its own thing. He's my favorite director right now, but Denis Villeneuve taking over the Alien franchise. I just feel like he kind of gets it, and I've already seen what he can do with Ridley Scott's previous work. So I think that the trust would be there for Scott to just kind of let uh, Denis do what he's going to do. Because lest we forget, he took the franchise back from Neil Blomkamp, who was going to direct a movie. And then Ridley Scott was like, no, 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 I don't trust you. I'm going to do this. I think Denis has already proved himself. And I think he would not just make the same Alien movie that we've seen, but he would expand on it in a way that, like, you know, James Cameron did with Alien mm -hmm. to Alien. But I just think his movie would be smarter in a way that um, is also engaging. That's so funny, though, because... Uh, first of all, uh, Blade Runner 2049 is like the better version of Prometheus. So it's interesting to hear you say like uh, to draw the comparison to aliens, whereas like, I don't think Deneve is going to give us an aliens. He's no, going to give no. us a much better Prometheus. That probably. makes sense. Yeah. And I was actually going to say earlier when you were talking about David, I was like, yeah, the similarities between David and Kay were like, they told David, like he doesn't have a soul. There's a line in 2049 where she says to Kay, like you haven't had a soul your whole life and it's worked out for you. I was like, Oh, Oh Yeah. Well, that's my answer. You took it. So honestly, I'm just going to say, how about um, who's uh, Jed Apatow? I want Jed Apatow <laughs> to do the next Alien movie. Uh, it can be about the alien when he hits his 40s and he really has just lost his luster for life. Uh, he's got an alien wife and they, they don't eat people as much as they used to do. And then Seth Rogen's in it, too. Yes, I would love that movie, yeah. I think. <laughs> this is alien. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. J.J. Abrams. A couple reasons. I love the stuff he's doing with Star Wars, of course. But 
I'm thinking more, and I know Matt Reeves directed Cloverfield, but I'm thinking specifically about his work with Cloverfield and how it just has that raw, that raw feel to me. And I think Alien would be great, just strip down and just bring it back to those visceral roots and really just prey on people's emotions again. Like Star Trek, almost, where it kind of got back to basics. Absolutely. So the question is, does Prometheus deserve a seat at Alien's table? And I'm going to say no. And in its most basic form, I think for me it goes back to who asked for this? You know, the Xenomorph for me is a creature that I don't want to understand more about. I like being scared of this pure evil. I don't want to dig into how it came to be. I like Alien the way it is. I like Aliens. I really don't have any interest in a prequel. And while it has a lot of stuff that's smart and that's fun to talk about, at the end of the day, I don't need it and I don't want it. I don't know who did. And so for that reason, I'm gonna say no. Listen, do I need it is the least interesting question I think you can ask for for a new movie, for a sequel. When I heard they were doing Blade Runner 2049, I was straight up pissed off because Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies. And Blade Runner 2049 is fantastic. It might be even better than Blade Runner. It is very, very good. So the idea of like, do we need this is so boring to me. You know, I'm I'm super in favor of directors just trying to forge new ground whenever they can. If you have an idea, go for it. I curse the idea of resting on your laurels and being done and getting out on top. I think that's ridiculous. As far as Prometheus goes, First of all, a couple strengths. It's got astonishing visuals. It's got great visuals. Uh, It's got Michael Fassbender. And I think uh, the strength of Aliens over Alien is we're able to connect to the characters more uh, because it's more uh, finally Ripley's story. And the strength of uh, Covenant and Prometheus is we're able to lock in on Michael Fassbender's David. Uh, And I think David is definitely the most interesting Uh, part for me of not only those two movies, but maybe of the whole Alien franchise. Uh, I think his character is really, really fascinating. So I definitely am saying yes. I do think that uh, Prometheus deserves a place at the table. Uh, I think it expands the ideas that uh, Alien kind of laid down of uh, violating creation and it brings it to new heights. So yeah, give me more, please. The Alien franchise at its core is built on the shoulders of this terrifying monster. And that's when I believe it is at its best. We as movie lovers never feel more alive than we do when we are on the edge of our seat with our heart pounding through our chest, trying to catch our breath. And that is what the best movies in the Alien franchise provide. I am all for building out your cinematic universe, but in this case, I am left wanting. That's a solid close. I agree with everything you just said, brother. 
Yeah, I know. I know we're we're doing a podcast. <laughs> we're being facetious. Well, that was scary. Thank you for joining us for our discussion on creepy creatures and perplexing prequels. If you have a minute, like us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We can be found at the Is It Really podcast. It's a good time. And give us your opinion. We would love to know how you feel about our episodes and any weird movie opinions you may have. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling good, please give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. We'll see you next time.